gentlemen. Back by popular demand. Here's Tom. Welcome to the Hot Stove Society show on Cairo Radio. It's uh, it is. A big, big day here. Uh, Pamela, would you like to have one of these ladies get up and tell us where they're all from? Shelby, come to the mic, please, and give us a little uh, all right. introduction. While Shelby's coming up, we're going to uh, tell you that we have a large show for you today, two full hours, with a very live audience we're thankful for, and with our audience motivator back in the saddle, that, uh, Terry Rotoro. Yes, sir. Uh, well, as you, if you want to come be part of our show and be part of our audience, all you have to do is go to hotstovesociety.com and buy a ticket. Uh, Shelby, why are all you lovely people here? We are here from Bellwood, which is a like-minded community for seniors uh-huh. from Issaquah, Washington. From Issaquah, Washington. Yes. Thank and they're having know. a private audience, and this is very fun. And it has never happened before. No. I well, love it. My favorite part is they've already been in the gift shop. <laughs> nice shopped. job. They were already shopping. That's good. It's Christmas. We love those rubs. Well, thank you for coming. The yeah, whole thank group. you so You're much. Welcome. Appreciate you. You're welcome. Uh, and if you want to watch us live on the air, you can do that at uh, Tom Douglas and Co. Just click on the. You know, I tried to do this when I was in Arizona. Yeah. Couldn't get on. Couldn't get on the YouTube Probably channel. Who I was think trying- it's you, Tom. Yeah, I think we have a special like, thing for you not to get on. <laughs> we have a large show for you today. He's, Today's he's all about blocked. the feast of Thanksgiving. Oh my God! If you have not seen. This week's New York Times food section, you are not alive. They, uh, the pie section alone, I mean, there's a million things to look at, but the pie section alone is unbelievable. It's the first time I see a double, real- double centerfold of just pies on both sides. I understand. And it's really, I mean, it's probably hard to do right now, but it's really worth getting a physical copy of the Times if you can, because it is awesome. Yeah. It is uh, four, one page, four pages wide. Correct. With full of pies. So we're going to talk about that in our segment today. Uh, we're going to uh, talk about root vegetables and maybe mm-hmm. uh, some opportunities to change up from Brussels sprouts or... To turnips. To turnips or, or something. I'm not sure <laughs> oh, exactly. Oh, no, please, no. Uh, Otia Barboy is going to be here. Uh-huh. And uh, she's the executive director of the Alliance Française. So L'Alliance Française de Seattle. Ooh. Why didn't you say that in the first place? <laughs> I she's going to drop by and tell us how to connect with the enthusiastic local French community. And, of course, we're going to play Rub with Love Food for Thought Tasty Trivia, brought to you today by Becky Guzak, one of our uh, fabulous pals here of the show and of the hot stove and of life. And uh, you went friend. to her house for a cocktail, I think. Oh, my God. Try to get invited. Really? It's, it's in a beautiful downtown Bellevue high rise, and she's an impeccable host. Oh. Mm. Of course, I was invited. It was girls only. It's a girl party. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thanks for nothing. Um, Chef Terry. <laughs> I think there's a reason why you were not invited. Yeah, there. maybe anyway. so. That could be. Yes, go ahead. Uh, what is your taste of the week, sir? My taste of the week was, um, well... Uh, <clears throat> My wife was out with a friend of hers, and I had to make dinner. Let me guess, was, a girl party. And I was busy. <laughs> yeah, I invited some. No, I did not invite anybody over. Um, I was doing some work, so I was having dinner. I'm like, what am I going to make for dinner? And we was, that was just before we went shopping, so I looked in the fridge and didn't see anything. I looked in the freezer, and there was a little tomato. Then we had made tomato uh, puree bisque soup. So I took that out, and I made a, you won't believe this, I opened my cupboard, and I bought some sardines when I was in France last uh-huh. time. So I did a sardines, olives, caper, uh, tomato, and um, pasta. 
Oh, nice. And that was scrumptious. It reminded me of uh, those sardines in the can. You know, if good, you buy the good one, so it's worth eating, and it's abs- they were absolutely delicious. But last minute, chopped, you know, just put in pieces into my pasta, you know, and I, t- I put some fresh parsley, chopped parsley in there. It was so delicious. I yeah. mean, I never think of... Bone in or bone out on the sardines? Everything. You eat everything in those sardines. Yeah. This is what's actually good for you. Your doctor will tell you that. Uh, to choke to death on the bones, is that good for you? Well, the bones, everything. You eat everything in the sardines or an anchovy that's in the can. You eat everything. Okay. Anyway, it was really delicious, and I recommend it. I know it sounds gross to some people who never eat sardines. I or know, tomato and sardine. Tomato, olives. Sometimes uh, those, those cans are packed with tomato oh, sauce. Oh, in, in a tomato sauce, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, not the, it, it yeah. was just a simple, Mine, simple thing, but it, it came out really delicious. Mine is very similar to yours this week no uh, by, by a quinky dink. Uh, I was doing a class here the other night at Hot Stove, as I often do. I was put in charge of making a fennel salad kind of at the last minute because it had gotten lost on the, on the event sheet. So uh, I just did uh, sliced fennel, uh, supremes of oranges, uh, some, some dried apricot, some marcona almonds, some saba, you know, the dressing, yeah. the unoaked, uh, it's, it's kind of unoaked balsamic, I guess mm-hmm. you would call it, uh, some delicious olive oil, and then perked it all up with Moscato vinegar. Uh, and then uh, we had both vegetarians and nuns in the house, so some people got that. And other people, we had a beautiful can of tuna. Speaking of canned Same fish. Same idea, yeah. Yeah, and just big chunks of albacore tuna. Pretty darn tasty. It's my taste yeah. of the week. That has all my favorite it things has, in oh, it. Oh, it had olives, too, <laughs> yeah, in, in it. So, yeah, that's right up Pamela's alley. You like sardines, too? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Oh, I, didn't, I, think, I wouldn't have guessed that. Yeah, for and sure. I've known you for I a long sardines, time. I think sardines, you know, it, if you have... I just started eating them. I was going to say, there's something odd here. I didn't have enough time to cook potatoes, but, you know, a nice little boiled potato with... A sardine, oh, capers, olives. Those are. And the reason I like the caper and the olive is for the, the nuances of beautiful flavor. That it's like umami, you know. It's like capers are very salty, olives are salty too, but they have a different flavor. So creating that umami in there is so easy and so delicious. Mm-hmm. Sardines, I'm telling you. I mean, so of all the little canned fish treats, and a lot of people call them tinned fish, right? Yeah, tinned yeah. fish. Do you have a favorite go-to, either a brand or if you were to look at the label? Because they're confusing to well, know exactly what's inside. You mean, you're talking about sardines now? Yeah, sardines or anchovies or whatever. But I'm just saying when you see well, them all Matisse, lined up on a Matisse, shelf, it's confusing. Matisse brand, M-A-T-I-Z, is probably the most famous one. Unfortunately, I can't remember the one I had. It was not Matisse, but it was a very good brand from the uh-huh. south of France. The one I look for here sometimes is Ortiz. Oh, yeah, Ortiz, too. Uh, for sardines and th- things. And, of right. course, locally, St. Jude is yeah, in a Saint can Jude, yeah. around here. Tuna, from yeah. St. Jude fishing boat down Albacore there. Albacore tuna, beautiful stuff. Yeah. So, uh, it's, and plus, it's a very simple protein if you're, that's And by the way, thanks, Thanksgiving is coming. If you want to blend your sardines with just a little bit of soft butter and put that on small toast, it's a great toast. Just saying... A little sardi- butter well, sardine toast. That sounds so delicious. I know. Um, let's start with turkey when we come back on Cairo Radio. It's the Hot Stove Society Show, 97.3 FM. Let's all blend our sardines with some butter. Turkey for me. Turkey for you. 
Let's eat the turkey in my big brown shoe. Love to eat the turkey at the table. I once saw a movie with Betty Grable. Eat that turkey. All right, we're back in the kitchen here at the hot stove. We're excited to be talking Thanksgiving all day long. Um, and you'll find uh, some of the audience walked out after Terry's last comment about blending sardines with butter, but we have a few left here. Chef Bridget over there, she didn't leave, which is no, nice. She's later not, on in the show, we're going surprisingly, to... surprisingly, uh, she likes sardines. Later on in the show, we're going to spatchcock her like a turkey uh, during the Rub with Love Food for Thought Tasty Trivia segment. Oh, We're just going to split her right down the back. Don't overdo it, because you know she'll glout if she wins. <laughs> Uh, chef, to brine or not to brine? That is the question. Well, I've done both in my life. Me too. And um, I must say that brining was a good time when I did it, but it's a major, major doing. As in, when you have a restaurant, it's a lot easier. When you have those big buckets, when you have the walk-in, when you have all that thing, it's fine. At home, it's a bigger pain in the neck because I don't have the walk-in. I don't have the... You know, I have a wine cellar, so that's what I did. One year, I did put it in the wine cellar, which is cold enough, but not that cold. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I would say that if you're going to brine, I would cut my turkey at home. So let's say you're going to spatchcock it or yeah, something. I would cut it at least in half. And so it's a lot more manageable in my refrigerator because most people don't have a, you know, they don't have a walk-in at home. They have a regular home refrigerator. Plus, they have all the things for Thanksgiving dinner Correct. clogging it up already. Right. So, yeah. I mean, you have a lot of cream. Uh-huh. You have a lot of butter. You have a lot of more important things to refrigerate. Yeah. So, the turkey is definitely has a room in the fridge. But So, my take is that I've done it. And I've got the five-gallon bucket. I do have an extra refrigerator. So, that's not a problem for me. Uh, I've put it in the... the Big bucket of brine with lots of herbs and garlic and sure. all the different... Salt, sugar. Sure. You yeah. name it. I don't use much sugar. Mostly salt. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't make much to of me, a difference. To me, it's just... Yeah. I think it's... Uh, I, I don't know how to explain it, but other than it just didn't bring a lot to the table, so to speak. You know, yeah. it's not... It didn't bring anything to the table that an herb-salt finish when you're... After you've roasted and sliced your turkey and put in... Uh, Pamela and I both keep that French herb-salt... I don't remember the brand name on that, but it's... Vignalta. Vignalta. Uh, so maybe it's Italian. Italian, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we keep that by the stove, and it's a good finishing salt. And to me, it's a fresher, more definable flavor than a brine that was done two days ago. And really all that's left is saltiness. You, you, once you roast the turkey and make the gravy and stuff like that, you're not picking up a lot right. of that flavor. So the so. whole theory behind that was, I think, overall came out in in a trend idea a few years back. And that was the idea was you get a crispier skin. That, yeah, that's and exactly the reason I tried me, it. Me too. Yeah. And the answer is, nah, nah, not true. Not really. Not really. I mean, I, I get my turkey. I always does do the same thing when I roast a whole turkey. And by the way, to me, a turkey is something that's about 10 to 12 pounds. At the 15 at the most. Any, anything yeah. more than that, I can't manage at my home. Or I have to slice it into eight pieces. Well, I can manage more, but even so, I don't like them bigger. You know, may, maybe 18 max. Well, but when you get a 20, 25-pound bird, it's just not, a, not as good as a 15-pound no. bird. And it's so much do hard. two. Do two birds. Right. It's yeah. much harder to manage in the first place and to make tasty. Um, so anyway, my 12-pound bird... I would say that uh, most of the years, I started about 425, really hot. By the way, I slide a little butter under the skin, mm-hmm. and I put that in the oven very quickly. And I start by crisping 
the bird or roasting the bird really high, and then I turn it down to 325 and let it go. And inside the bird is always citrus that are cut, like lemon and oranges, mm-hmm. and uh, rosemary, garlic clove, and uh, maybe an onion. We are two peas in a pod when it comes to this, but I have one extra ingredient that nobody else uses. Oh, you have I fly solo. Oh, this rub is with, a good let me guess, one. Rub with love, Tokyo. No, 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 no. no, no. This is a solo. I've put coffee, coffee beans no! in my turkey. And if you think about the aroma of coffee, sure. how many people love that aroma? Some people, they think about, well, coffee beans, I don't, you know, I don't even like to drink a cup of coffee. You're not going to, it doesn't taste like a cup of coffee, No, right? of course, of course. It's the aroma of the roasted bean, not unlike uh, cacao nibs, right, right. Um, that gives an essence that you have no idea when you're making the juices later and you, you drain the, the turkey juices out of the cavity and into the, into the pot for the gravy. Right, right. You just don't even know. But it's, it's a depth and roasted flavor. So. so what I realize is over the year, even brining or not, you know, you roast a turkey. If you don't put anything in the turkey, well, if you, first of all, if you put a big stuffing in the turkey, the turkey doesn't get any flavor on the inside. And by the way, a 12-pound turkey needs to have flavor from the inside as well as from the outside because it's a big bird. And, and if you just cook from the outside in, in, in the oven, you're not adding any flavor in the bird. So, my, you know, the citrus... The, the herbs, they're going to break down, they're going to steam, and they're going to go and flavor the bird and flavor the meat. If you, want to, the flavor the, if you want to flavor the bird more so also, right. you could do it uh, uh, spatchcock it, right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. spatchcock means you take the backbone out. Correct. And you use that for your stock like you do in my, in my book, the wingtips, the neck, the giblets, not the liver, but the heart. Uh, whatever you can uh, rescue for your stock is great. Um, you make your stock, you roast all those turkey parts, and then instead of putting water over your bones, you put chicken stock over. Right. So you have a double-rich <laughs> stock, right? Which gives you the, a, a nice. head start on your flavor. But anyway, if you spatchcock it, then I take it out to my grill. And talk yeah. about adding flavor, right? Because right. I'm going to be able to get that skin nice and crusty, and then I turn it over and wear what is usually kind of steamed on the inside of a whole roasted turkey right. or infused with the it's stuff. It's going to have a nice little char. It's going to pick up the charcoal smoke. Yeah. and yeah. So you really have to like that flavor if you're going to go that direction. Because it can not, dominate your turkey plate right. if you're not careful. And again, if you're not that good with your, with your barbecue or your grill and you feel not confident, you feel like you're going to dry it out, just take it after it's get, you get your nice little grilling mark. Just take your turkey out, put it in a cast iron pan, and finish it in the oven. Much easier, so safer, you feel better, you know. It's a safer way to finish it. You won't burn your turkey, most likely. But remember, the most and beautiful tool you have in your kitchen is your meat thermometer, so you know what's going on inside. Yeah. So you don't cook the heck out of your turkey yeah. and dry it out for days. That's very important. So if you haven't had a meat thermometer in your kitchen... That's the only gift you need to have this year before Thanksgiving. So this is a smart throw uh, thermometer. What I love about these uh, new kind of big digital ther- thermometers is that, number one, the image is big enough to read right. without At my glasses. That's For really old guys. awesome. Yeah, you need but it doesn't turn numbers. on. And it, as soon as you open this, the little spic- uh, spike, then it turns on, right? Right, right. I love that. And uh, it's easy to read. And... When you put it in, you know, the whole thing with a kitchen oven is that you don't want to lose your heat. Ours here at the, at the restaurants, you know, they heat up in a minute. Right. Your kitchen oven, to get back to temp, if you're up there waiting for a little analog thermometer to kind of get to where it wants to go, you know, it could take 15 minutes to get back to the temp where you were. Right, right. So, uh, Are you temping the breast or the leg? 
I'm tempting uh, the the joint near the breast yeah, and the that's, leg. That's I do, where I don't know where to put the thermometer. I do the leg often because the leg takes a little bit longer to cook. And it, um, it can overcook, too, which is can, good. Which can overcook, yeah. So the leg, I usually take the leg in the thigh part just before the bone. And I go in there and I go about halfway in. Don't, remember, don't go all the way in because you're touching the bottom of the pan, which will be much harder. Or the cavity, which is hotter, <laughs> right? Yeah. So, right? You guys understand that. Just go halfway in. So you're halfway through the leg. These thigh. people here could tell us how to cook. I know. I can, so. I can tell. They're looking at us like, yeah. duh. Yeah. Duh. Like- I see big giant duh flying yeah. everywhere. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm just trying to be explanatory. So many yeah. people don't have a meat thermometer. So. I would also say if you're going to spatchcock your turkey, think about serving it uh, kind of Chinese style, which is where the meat is cut on the bone. Yeah, I know cut, it's right. I know. No, cut like a tuna dough, like a tuna dough size. You know, boom, boom. Is it dressing or is it stuffing? That's our next question here on the hot stove, and uh, we're going to explain that when we come back on Cairo Radio. It's the Hot Stove Society Show, coming to you from the beautiful Hotel Andra in downtown Seattle on ninety-seven-three FM. Thanksgiving is a special night. Jimmy Walker used to say dynamite. That's right. Take a stuffing, stuff it in my turkey. I take a muffin, stuff it in my turkey. I take a puffin, stuff it in my turkey. And the muffin, stuff it in my turkey. Again, we're here at the Hotel Andra Hot Stove Society Cooking School upstairs on floor number two, if you ever want to see us. And uh, we have come by very, like this whole group did. Very live audience we from like the Bellwood. Bellwood Community Home in uh, not Issaquah. 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 It's not a community home. What is it? Alternative living. Retirement community. Yeah. I want to retire like them. You, yeah, I know. Pamela has ar- literally I'm, has I'm already put money money down. List. Pamela's put money down on her. She looks. She's younger than she looks. She's actually eighty two. <laughs> I want to go to Mirabella because I've got a great bar. <laughs> <laughs> All right, dressing versus stuffing. So a little primer. No, they're not the same, but they are the same. So what's a dressing? So a dressing is what we put into a bowl. And uh, we bake in the oven, right, with the bread cubes and uh-huh. blah, blah, blah. What do you think a stuffing is? I've never is? done that. <laughs> well, I do that all the time. What do you think a stuffing is? A stuffing, I think, is when you take the bread, the bread pieces and the nuts and uh-huh. the whatever, and you stuff that in the turkey. Yeah, it's a stuffing, right? It's right. The, what's a, it's, so that's really the difference between dressing and stuffing. Yeah, okay. One is yeah, yeah. considered inside the turkey and one is not. It's, Just it's to make basically sure we the same the same thing. Now, I will say, if you go down to uh, Alabama, say, and go to a soul food restaurant, a black-owned soul sure. food restaurant, to them, dressing is very different than what I make or, or stuffing, right? They start more with, in that particular environment, at least the couple that I've been in, more breadcrumbs. Right. And it's very pasty, right? It's, it's, uh, it scoops up almost like mashed potatoes. Oh, okay. Right? So, uh, whereas my, my stuffing or my dressing is, chunky. is chunkier, rustic bread. I, I like to put plenty of chicken stock on it uh, in my casserole. Mm-hmm. I bake it, and I want a crusty outside and a, and a custardy kind of inside. And so when my gravy hits it, uh, my rich, fatty gravy... 
which we're going to talk about if I am or I'm not a gravy god later in the show. You're the god. There's somebody who's been uh, texting us that says, uh, you're no god. So I don't think they know you very well. I have to try and prove myself. I never said I was God solo. (laughs) I only said I was a gravy God. Yeah. And apparently, uh, I think he heard Channel Channel Five King King TV agrees. They said it themselves. I think he heard Groovy God. A Groovy God. Uh, okay, so what do you make? How do you make your stuffing? I don't. You don't. I don't make it, but if I was to make it, I've, I've made it before, but I don't make it Corn bread or regular bread? Regular bread. Cornbread is very popular as a Especially stuffing bread. Especially your bread, you know, the, the Dahlia Bakery bread. Yeah, the rustic kind oh, of loaf. That bread is just, talking about gods, that's a god bread. That's not me. I'm not that's a, a bread That's guy. a god bread. You yeah. haven't had that bread at the Dahlia Bakery. It's really delicious. I mean, I can't stay away from it. It's really versatile in terms of baking mm-hmm. because when it bakes the whole crust is so solid then it stays nice and crunchy right and the inside is so beautifully baked then it's it doesn't turn gummy it turns really beautiful and and fluffy kind of idea of a bread but still with some give you know what the number one thing uh, you know, not to get off subject but why a center of a bread is gummy there's probably two things one is it could be undercooked right but most often it's when you bake a loaf of bread and you cut it while it's still hot. Right. Right. And you don't let it cure with all that steam inside and, and uh, that deliciousness has to kind of sit for four or five hours after it comes out of the oven. Correct. All right. Stuffing. So for me. So to finish my conversation, yes. take your bread, dice it in small cube about half an inch or maybe a little bit bigger than that. And then um, I like dried fruit. So I like raisins and uh, prunes. I love prunes, especially if you soak your prune in Armagnac, which, oh, is yeah. a, which is a prune brandy. Soak the prune in Armagnac diced. You know, it's small. Armagnac is not always prunes, is it? Armagnac is yeah. prune. Um, cognac is champagne grapes. Cognac is grape, and Armagnac is prune. It's, it's uh, often grape brandy mixed with prune. Take some Armagnac, soak it to that, and then you have a little flavored brandy, and then caramelized onion. I take some onion and caramelize them. Mix the whole thing with the bread, mm-hmm. and that becomes my stuffing with fresh herbs in it. So chopped parsley at the time, we have mm-hmm. chopped parsley, and of course tarragon, because I love tarragon. A little chopped tarragon, and mix the whole thing together. Nice little salt and pepper. Stock, you've got to put stock on it, or else uh, nothing. At the last minute, I put stock on it. Yeah. I do it at the last minute, because I don't want it to be... A what do you mean, at the la- after it bakes at the last minute? Yeah. No, that's weird. <laughs> that's not I, I weird, that's French. Have- yeah, that's French. There you go. <laughs> well, you but, could control the moisture better. Correct. By you, doing it No, at but the you, end. it's the, by wetting your stuffing. Look at this audience. Does, do you put stock on at the end or in the beginning? Oh, thank you very much. Beginning. Yeah. Oh, I'm fired of uh, the kitchen. I so you have your big, you have your big bowl. All there's, the stuff that Terry just said. You have your big bowl of breadcrumbs or cubes, or I like a little bit bigger than what you have. I think it looks much more beautiful torn than diced. Uh, looks more natural. And then I generously stock my, my bowl of uh, dressing. And I, I make dressing because I don't stuff it in the turkey. So right, it's not right. stuffing. Uh, generously dress it. Put it into a casserole. Bake it in the oven, 325 for at least an hour. And I just wait because that stock being in there kind of crust up on the bottom and in the outside of the pan while the center stays more custardy. And stays more moist. And so I get the crispy chunks along with the moist chunks to... Uh, I mean, the only reason to even have it is as a vehicle for your gravy. Right. Right? No, of course. Yeah. Of course. 
What else are you going to put in that gravy? Yeah, because... That's the only reason I make it. To me, it reminds me of like a, almost like a pain perdu idea where, yeah. you know, which is basically, the, you know, the, the baked old bread. That's what it reminds me of, and that's what you use to soak up the gravy. And I don't... Pain perdu would work in a, in a dressing. Yeah. It would just come out softer, right? right. Rather than right. the rustic bread. And so. it also has eggs, so, you know, you'd have that egg mixture in there, which would be totally delicious. Make it savory. But it's an egg custard, right? Right. Yeah. So when you say pan perdue, I think of as that as the loaf of bread. Correct. But you're suggesting that it is almost like French toast bread. Right. Like savory. So pan perdue isn't the loaf. It's the finished product of like French toast? Yeah. Or, cause, so what is the loaf that, that you use for pan perdue? Just old bread. Just pan. Yeah. yeah. Pan. Okay. And all right. old bread was the actual I translation see. of the dish itself. I personally like it fresh. Bread, yeah. you know, a nice loaf of bread. I don't wait till my bread goes. Bread has no chance to get old in my house. Yeah. It has another chance. And it's chance. just a cardinal rule. I mean, how many times have you read a recipe where it says use stale bread? Right. You just went out and bought the best turkey money could buy, all beautiful potatoes and green beans and Brussels sprouts, and then, oh, let's just use week old bread for our stuffing. It's like, it's ridiculous. People don't think sometimes. No, but you know what? So just get fresh bread and toast it. There's one thing you can do, though. Is if you put bread in the freezer like I do from time to time, just because I, the, the reason of being out of bread in my house is like this. I'm like an addict who goes, oh, my God, I'm out of bread. Uh, you know, just keep a few slices in the freezer. You know, you need to rotate those slices. You can't keep them forever in the freezer. So that could be a good occasion to just take those out and use them as part of your stuffing. Uh-huh. But other than that... Use fresh bread, absolutely. Yeah. Jackie does, um, she makes a lot of bread, and so we end up with lots of bread leftovers. But I have gone, instead of just, I, I never put it in whole, so I at least slice it. Right. But I have actually gone to keeping different kinds of bread in my freezers. So we will have a little bag, a Ziploc, a small bag of bread crumbs. Mm-hmm. We'll have a bag of bread cubes yeah. for croutons. Right. And we'll have a little bag, I buy a baguette and I slice crostini. So I can just pull out crostini when I want them. So I tend to now, instead of just having a loaf of bread in the freezer, I tend to have it all prepped and ready to go because it's so fast. You run restaurant for a living, don't you? Wow. You get the mise en place of the chef. Is that fancy? He's like, yeah, you open the freezer and you're like, holy cow, it's got three different kinds of bread. No, no, no. I have about eight different kinds of bread, but I I haven't serviced in... Three or four different ways. <laughs> Even better. That's funny. Yeah. No, I mean, that's, that's chefy stuff. Very yeah. chefy, chef. Really? Oh. Well, what do you I'm mean, really? Saying, well, Man, who wants to chef? use... Oh, I mean, when was the last top. time you needed breadcrumbs and you go into the drawer and there's that... There's that you. Progresso breadcrumb Italian that's flavor so that's been that sitting nothing. there for 15 years. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's greasy. I yeah, have never it. bought Progresso breadcrumb. Well, you're a saint. No, I just make my own. Yeah. You're not going to say anything about cornbread? That's my favorite. That's your favorite? I like it, but it gets too mushy for me. You're putting I, too much stock in. Well, that could be. I like it, but I like it with some honey drizzled on top for dessert. Oh, okay. And I believe you're st- sitting in front of a microphone. You could have said something <laughs> about cornbread. And you produce roasted mushrooms. <laughs> roasted mushrooms and cornbread. Oh, yeah. And a lot of thyme. Yeah. Uh-huh. And maybe some uh, toasted pecan. See, the morning, the morning very of... Southern of you. Mm-hmm. The morning of Thanksgiving for breakfast, cornbread, so roasted mushroom, and poached egg. That makes for a good breakfast. 
All right. Uh, it's time. Uh, the, I want you to set your, set your dial here to come back really quickly, maybe two minutes or so, because the gravy gods are going to speak. I'm including you in this because we could go about this I'm a, a sauce god, way. not a gravy god. Okay. So we'll talk about when that. When we come back on Cairo Radio, it's the Hot Stove Society Show, 97.3 FM. are back in the hot stove kitchen at the Hotel Andre here in downtown Seattle, 4th and Virginia. Please come join us sometime. Uh, we are always happy to have people in our house. And stay yeah. overnight What's at the hotel. What's it cost, Pamela? To come to the, yeah. to the show, $25. 25 bucks. It's a gift. It comes with coffee, a nice breakfast. Uh, this morning they're having a puff pastry uh, chef cooked by Chef Bridget Charters, uh, filled with uh, turkey and I didn't and squash, right from yeah. our farm. Yeah, and kill Prosser Farm squash. Okay. Three pear salad. Three pear salad. Three pear salad. Three pears. <laughs> three pairs of what? <laughs> That's uh, let's talk gravy. You know, I once said I believe on this show that I was a gravy god, and somebody took me very seriously and was upset for calling upset at me for calling myself a god. So I'm just going to um, preface this segment with. Back off. <laughs> right, there Chef? You have it. Absolutely, you should. <laughs> I call myself a sauce god. So You're a sauce god. I'm a sauce god. Yeah, we're all our own gods in our own exactly. way. Yeah, exactly. By the so. way, it's a small kingdom, but I'll keep it. Difference between sauce and a gravy. So I don't put any flour in no my... No roux, right? Roux. Yeah, yeah. I don't make a roux. I don't put any flour in there. That's the only difference. Uh-huh. All the same concept of making the turkey, using the bone, making the stock, or actually... What I do is I, may, I have a stock already in the freezer that I made yeah. this week. Mm-hmm. This weekend, buy a whole chicken, butcher the whole chicken apart. Or turkey parts. Or turkey, but make a stock yeah. this weekend. So I have it ready. It will be in my freezer or in my fridge. And when I roast my turkey, I put onions, carrots, celery on the bottom, you know, on the bottom of the turkey. And that's the base that I use for my sauce. And then, of course, fresh rosemary. Um, and you, you put butter under the skin, so that's going to drip into your sauce. Butter under the skin. And yeah. then there is citrus and rosemary, uh-huh. all that stuff in the turkey. Uh-huh. So I take all this beautiful goodness that comes out of the bird uh, when it's done and resting. And I put everything together. So I put that. And I, I do white wine. So I take about a half a bottle of Because it's nice white. to have a little acid hit. Yeah, yeah. A little bottle of white wine. I put that in there. Bring it to a boil. Cook it down a little bit for a few minutes, maybe 10, 15 minutes. Then I had all the stock in there, reduced that down for probably another 15, 20 minutes. Uh-huh. So you have some consistency. And then I'd strain the whole thing up and then put it with a big nugget of butter. And then well, let's, let's, there's one step, I think, for sauce compared to a gravy, which is when you strain it, you then have to degrease. Correct. Yeah. Because yeah, you, sorry, you, don't, yes. you don't want to, for that a sauce, fat, yeah. you, you can't, if that you're not going to rue, you have to get rid of that grease. Correct. And yeah. also, it's an old fat's been used the whole time we were cooking. So right. you get rid of that. That's very easy. Once you strain it, it, right? it comes to the top. Just skim that fat, put the th- sauce back in the pot, bring it to a boil, and incorporate nuggets of butter in there. And um, one little touch that I have is I use um, argon oil at the end which give it a beautiful, nutty, 
smell and flavor like roasted nuts. Mm-hmm. So I had that at the end and as, and, and incorporated or not? Oh yeah, incorporated. Yeah, okay. yeah blended into it. Okay. Like I use my so, whisk. So let's go back one more time on your sauce. Yeah. Now I know I've known you for a long time, so I know you're a strainer. Right. But if you didn't, well, you he is. He just he strains everything. He likes that pristine little. I like smooth gloss. <laughs> yeah. So Ooh. if you wanted to, whereas I'm going to go back and do gravy where I'm using a roux, sure. you could take yours if you wanted to right. and use your immersion blender, your sure. hand blender, and puree all the carrot and celery because it's all Absolute. plenty cooked, right? Oh, I'll keep that. And, and use that as a thickener. Yes, I'm not. I, you could use that as a thickener. What is that called when you leave that in? Is it still a sauce or is, that, is there another uh, name for that? It's more like a puree than a sauce. A puree, okay. Because you're, you're pureeing all the vegetable and putting it into your sauce. But I would still call it. But, a, but if you're, let's say you're gluten intolerant and you can't have the flour-based gravy, correct. but you like that texture, that's what you would do. Correct. Yeah. You could take all those veggies, blend the whole thing up in your Vitamix, or into something like a food processor that would be a really, really good food processor. I don't like all transferring hot liquid into a food processor or a blender. Just use your hand blender. Okay, use your hand blender. Yeah. Whichever you have. Yeah. Uh, most people have a blender, a counter. Not a hand blender, but... I just bought my first battery-operated uh, immersion blender. Wow. So you don't have to deal with the cord. You is don't have to take a pan well? to where the outlet is. Oh, it works beautifully. Yeah. It's KitchenAid. They're our sponsor here. But, so I bought one of theirs, and boom, works fabulous. That sounds like a great gift for yeah. uh, this time of year. That and a, and a medium mirror, and you're set. Yeah. Make your Christmas present So early. for gravy for me, so you've now made a sauce. Right. I'm making a gravy, so I take those same drippings with all the onions. I don't put carrots and celery in mine. Garlic and sage right. underneath the turkey sure. and let it get brown. Right. Just by the time the turkey's done, they're almost black, if not black. And everyone says, oh, you burnt the onions. No, no. No, 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 no. no. This is so, when onions become good. Yeah. And so let's just say they are... Uh, like, you know, the color of creme brulee, right? Where right. you take the sugar and it's really kind of a... There might be a little bronze left, but it's mostly caramel, it's black. Caramel color, yeah. yeah. So now I just put... I use a thick bottom roaster. I put that right on the burner. And I want to use my whisk. And I cook off the juices until... When, you, when it first starts, it's got that light boil. And then mm-hmm. you can hear the fat start to snap. Sure. Uh, the fat bubbles snap yeah. as it boils more. And the onions are getting browner and browner. And, and it's just getting this rich, dark. All the juices that, from the turkey are browning up and... Now I turn it on low. This is making me really hungry. And I know. I, well, I Pam watched w- me make it the I other day. I watched him do it this week. It's spectacular. But didn't it make, doesn't it make you nervous when you see how dark the onions yeah. are? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, I, I, I break up, and all my onions continue to caramelize and break down, right? Because they're becoming part of the sauce. Uh, add my flour. I cook it just for a minute because I'm going to cook this for a while. And then just do that classic sauce where you add a ladle of stock, yep. work it into the flour to make sure you get smooth, and you just start adding more and more stock. And I like a fairly thin gravy. Right. I don't want on my beautiful Paste. plate of stuffing and my gorgeous sliced turkey and my beautifully whipped mashed potatoes, I don't want a big, gloppy gravy on top. Right, I want right. like a thin, beautiful, dark brown. Silky. Silky. Yeah. Now, if you like it more pureed, you, again, you use the immersion blender. I personally have no problem with chunks of onion or whatever's left over because it's all sure. really well cooked. And that is uh, my version of gravy. I do do a touch of white wine uh-huh. because red wine makes it look 
purplish gross. Not even And here's, here's the piece de resistance. And I'm, I'm not just shilling my rubs, but I make an exotic mushroom rub that's got lots of porcini powder Yes, in I've had it many times. Yeah. A tablespoon of that as a gravy helper mm. because it just melts into the gravy. Unbelievable. Because you get the umami from the mushroom flavor. Yeah, I can so see it. So you could do it with just mushroom powder. If you have dried mushrooms, just put them in your spice grinder and grind them into a powder. Sure. Uh, whatever you want to do, however you want to accomplish it. Of course, I'd love for you to try my my mushroom rub, but not everyone can do that. So, uh, but do it for your gravy. Do it for you. Do it for you and yeah, your family. And your family. You'll be proud and glad you did. I love the coffee beans. Oh, and the coffee beans give you that little. Yeah, that's. The, but that was, I think that's your secret weapon: the yeah. onion and coffee bean combo. Wow. Okay, we have another full hour to go. We're going to get off Thanksgiving for a little bit and uh, talk a little bit about the French folks here in Seattle. At the Alliance Française de Seattle, it's a giving campaign this month, and it's a non-profit, so uh, we'll hear all about all the great stuff they do, and I'm actually on the board, so we'll talk about this with Otilia when she comes right. in. Sounds like fun. Come join us again here now uh, after the break in the Hot Stove Society kitchen. Downtown Seattle, 4th and Virginia on Cairo Radio. It's 97.3 FM. Gravy is good. Gravy is great. Gravy is good when you put it on your plate. Had a bad day? That's okay. Here's some gravy to make it go away. Tick, tick. Pretty tick, tick. I'll drink gravy out of my food. You'll get no more fancy cooking. You'll get no more apple pie. You'll just get those second hour we're going to cover here uh, favorite pies vegetable side dishes we learned about the alliance francaise and uh, which terry is on the board of and we are going to finish our hour with uh, food for thought tasty trivia brought to you by rub with love spice rubs this is the hot stove society show we're happy to be here it's pre-thanksgiving all right so let's get started on this hour uh, beyond the brussels sprout uh, once again, the New York Times has outdone itself. Uh, the food page this last Wednesday, uh, discovering chock full. chock full of Thanksgiving ideas because you don't shop on Wednesday for Thanksgiving, right? You shop. That's right. Shop this weekend. This was actually Sunday. Oh, was the it pie, Sundays? The pie was the pie Sunday. was Sunday. Oh, okay. And the, the vegetables was Wednesday. Right. But there's a great article on uh, vegetarian options for Thanksgiving, and there are some really sweet ideas, I think. And one the one that struck me right away. It's not necessarily vegan, but it's the garlic mashed potato cake. You know, I love mm-hmm. anytime you can take mashed potatoes and brown them. So you have a crunchy, tasty, caramelized Absolutely. outside and that beautiful, creamy center. Uh, I just don't think about it very often unless I, I'm the day after Thanksgiving and I actually have extra mashed potatoes. Correct. Yeah. I don't make my potatoes to go there. Right. But when I was at Wolfgang Puck's restaurant cut in Beverly Hills, he does a potato cake where he kind of layers the bottom of the pan with potatoes, puts the mashed potatoes in the middle, and layers the top with the sliced potatoes. So it's just beautiful. So the, the middle wow. is like all soft. And, I know. And the outside just, but that's what this reminded me yeah, of in the New York Times. Yeah, That's how you can achieve crispiness on the outside. With the whole sliced potatoes, right? And then the creamy mashed potato center. Yeah, absolutely. It's almost like a potato galette or like a... Yeah, so, pump. Chef, they, they have a terrine <coughs> of root vegetables in this, in this as a suggestion. Yeah, I saw that, and I think that's a very fantastic idea. I because, do, too. Because for many different reasons. One, you don't have to make that after your guests have arrived. 
<laughs> you can make that ahead, which making things ahead for Thanksgiving is a blessing. It's the key. It's the key to success, I think. It's also, you know, less stress. And um, more importantly, it's easy to make in terms of what vegetable do you use in there. And I can't remember all the veggies they had, Tom, but I'm sure you could put potato, sweet potato. You could put... Uh, well, the reason I wouldn't make their particular version is they put have a layer of beets in it also, so <laughs> I'm going to skip that one. Come on, buddy. we got to get you on the <laughs> beet on. train. My mother ruined me for beets. She always had those jarred pickled beets. But let's just say these are nice, I'm organically make grown, medium-sized, beautiful red beets with a little oh. earthiness, but not too much. For you, Tom. Yeah. So they do it in a casserole, like a regular kind of 12 by 12 casserole. They layer the beets on the bottom because if you put them on the top of this terrine, that red is going to bleed all the way through and you're going to have a pink terrine. <laughs> Whereas here, you still see some of the red, but it's on the bottom. Correct. And the other layers kind of show up. Which Very are, well thought of. But potatoes, red potatoes, sweet potatoes, beets, uh, butternut squash, and then it's just layered, layered, layered. And Pamela, your favorite part about this recipe is that they've got wisp of crunchy phyllo dough on top. To Brilliant. Kind of what happened to potato chips? <laughs> <laughs> Those so, work too. Yeah. But I like the lightness and the flakiness uh-huh. of the phyllo crust. I'm with you. Yeah. I think better than potato chips. And yeah. uh, it, the thing I, uh, I love about a regular gratin, which you, maybe yours are all, mine's more freestyle. Like you th- kind of throw the potatoes out like randomly. This is... A square. I mean, you can cut a perfect square, and that seems right up your alley. That's exactly how I do it. Yeah. And you, you know how you, you serve cheese? this with other things, or is this a, a course in your mind? No, it's a side dish. It's a side dish. Okay. I mean, just like any other vegetable, but, I mean, to have a potato gratin on the table for Thanksgiving, I think, is a fabulous idea. Uh-huh. And, by the way, you don't have to stop at potato. If you're already making mashed potato, for example, you cannot live without the mashed potato then use other vegetables to make a gratin. You don't need to stick to just potato. You know, you can make, you can use turnips, parsnip, and carrots to make a wonderful gratin. You know, slice them the same thickness, thin, butter your dish, your Pyrex pan, and then put, lay down all your vegetables with fresh herbs in between or dry herbs in between, a little seasoning of salt and pepper, and then lay them down and then make your reduction of cream and, um, Flavor like I use I use a little bit of Rasella nut, which is a Moroccan um, uh, mix of uh, blend spice, and I use that and put that in my cream, and then put that all over the uh, gratin with a little bit of cheese, and then put that in the oven, bake it, and when it comes out, let it sit. And you're doing this two days before Thanksgiving, not the day of, way before, so you don't have anybody. You get the music in the kitchen, everything is good. Your gratin is fantastic. Let it rest overnight. The next morning, your next day, you press on it nicely, put some weight on it, so it will be nice and compact. And then a day after that, you just take it out of the pan, it comes out like a block, and you cut it in square, like Tom was saying, cut it in nice little square, all, all rounds if you want to play around, make some nice that little rounds. Too much, too to much waste. No, no, no. You're not waste. wasting any. We don't waste anything. I know. Whatever's left that's over, leftovers, yeah. Just mix with a little chicken stock. All right, let's move blend on from there, And have though. a soup. Yeah. Let me finish. Exactly. Here you go. Exactly. Then you have a soup with all the yeah, leftovers. with the grapes. Perfect. So we're replacing Brussels sprouts. So give me something green. Why are we, repla- why are we replacing Brussels sprouts? Because Brussels sprouts, I mean, we have six months of Brussels sprouts. Like okay. We have six okay. weeks of asparagus, Well, right, right now we have beautiful kale in my backyard that okay. I've been using 
that are absolutely gorgeous because they're young, tender, for some reason, and the leaves are not too big, um, which is another thing. When you do greens, for me, I always write, drive my knife through them so the leaves are not like long once they're cooked and you're like eating like a horse. You know, it's like I like to eat with things with a fork and I like to eat with things that are the size of my mouth. Mm. So I like to just run a knife through the leaves so they're not so big after they're cooked. But kale is a good substitution, I guess, to, to Brussels sprout. Um, you could use broccolini, which is another, you know, long, stemmy kind of, kind of uh, vegetable that people don't use enough, I think. Again, same thing. Broccolini has a lot of stem. So cook the stem separately. takes longer to cook them. But otherwise, same concept, same idea. All right. Here's another idea out of the New York Times that I really liked. Um, you know, I really hate the sh- brown sugared sweet potatoes. Uh, I don't mind glazing with a little maple syrup or something like that. But I love the idea that they have in here, which is maybe substitute butternut squash with uh, ginger beer, which is it's got a lot of sugar in it, but it's also got the brightness of ginger. Correct. And glaze your squash in the ginger beer and finish off with some bright gremolata of sorts, fresh mm. grated horseradish, yeah, yeah. parsley, lemon zest. So you've got the ginger and all that kind of delicious, savory thing going on. That sounds delicious. Um, and you can do that on sweet potatoes, but on, on a squash too. All right. When we come back, it's time for your favorite crust and must-have pies. Right here in the Hot Stove Society Kitchen on Cairo, it's 97.3 FM. Butter, I remember butter. We were once like lovers. We were quite a team. Sugar, I remember. Welcome back. It's the Hot Stove Society Kitchen on Cairo. My pal Terry Rotoro is here in the house. The chef in the chapeau. That's right. Uh, Pamela is running the uh, production today. And uh, Sean McFadden is our technical director. So we're excited that you're all here with us. Uh, we have the Bellwood uh, Community Center, Senior Center from Issaquah here with us today. We're very excited about that. And they all had Chef Bridget's uh, very en français turkey pot pie. <laughs> right? En français. So good. Yeah, a little buttery puff pastry all wrapped around it. So good. Uh, okay, our last segment on Thanksgiving for the day. Maybe there'll be some uh, in our trivia, but uh, for actually what we like to make and how we make it. Chef, there's a question on the table uh, about butter or lard in a pie crust. And I'm not sure this is a Chef Terry question, is it? It's like on, it on sauce, it, it, on, you on just the gravy. Asked me the, you just asked me the question. So, the, yes, that's my question. And well, are you a is, pie person? Uh, if I have to choose, I'll probably make a tart. You make a tart, so but you make a pot brise, a make classic a pat sucre, pat sucre, which is which butter all the way, butter all the way, no lard, no lard. Okay, and so I reserve the lard when I do pie for savory. Like if, I, for example, if I was to make a quiche dough, and I, I had my choice, I would use lard for a quiche dough. Uh-huh. I would use lard for anything that has savory in it. But when I get too sweet, I want my beautiful butter with a little salt in it. Mm-hmm. So I can have a nice little sweet and sour, I mean sweet and salty kind of dough. And you, mister? 
I, I would have no problem putting lard. I have no problem putting Crisco. I have no problem putting bacon fat. Crisco. Yeah. Wait a minute. Bacon Wait. fat in, in a your sweet pie potato crust. pie. Bacon fat in the crust is really tasty. It just gives you a little Whoa. smoky sweetness. Yeah, I would yeah. put it in my quiche batter too, but or quiche dough. Or your but, quiche dough yeah. would be fine. Or yeah, even little savory, bacon again, bits. Again, yeah. savory, yes. <laughs> but when it gets down to uh, sweet dessert. For the end of my meal, especially after Thanksgiving, where I've already had all the savory in the world I could possibly think of, uh-huh. I think I'm good for stay. now it's time to have sweets, okay. and I want my butter. So you like to make a tart <laughs> over a pie. Correct. And so are all your tart shells blind baked, docked and blind baked? Correct. So tell us what that's like. So, well, first of all, the dough is quite easy to make. It's usually not that complicated, and, you know, you can make it in a bowl, uh, flour, Mixed with soft butter with um, usually one egg and... Um, soft butter? I thought you always wanted cold butter. Well, that's what everybody says, but I don't. Okay. I use soft butter and a little bit of sugar and a drop of salt. Mix the whole thing together. It comes up very soft. Put it in a plastic wrap. Put it in the fridge. Let it cool off. And then when you take it out, when I take it out, you have to work fast because it's a very soft dough. I, I like to use a, uh, this is when, a, if you have a marble pastry roller, this is a great use tool for that time because your pastry dough is very, um, gets soft fast. So the dough is cold and the pastry roller has been in the freezer. So for, it's cold. So it is very, very cold. And then you roll your dough in the plastic wrap so it just expands basically until you reach the size of your shell. Put it in the, into the mold. Put it around. Put a piece of parchment paper. You don't dock it first. Well, I'm, I'm, yes, I finish. I dock it. Then I put a piece of parchment paper. Dock and it. Some, dock it is when you, ro- you put little with, poke holes little in the holes bottom. With a fork. And Thank so you. That, the reason you do this is because if you don't do that, it will rise and puff and become something very different than what you're looking for. Yeah. And you won't have any more room to put anything inside. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you, yes, you dock it. And then you put your parchment paper with your weight so the weight can be some old beans. I personally have used ri- the same rice for, I yeah. don't know, maybe, maybe five it years. It gets a little patina on it. <laughs> it gets really hard. <laughs> My only concern about the old rice, and sometimes it can develop an odor. And if you're not careful, that can transfer to your crust. Yeah. yeah. And this is why you also use parchment paper, so there's no contact between yeah. the two. Or pie weights. But you can buy pie weights in a store, but anything that has weight in it. So... Brine bake is basically you're cooking the dough until the dough is actually almost cooked entirely because what you're looking for is the product you're going to put in there after that either going to be liquid or going to be um, something that you, that's already finished, such as a pastry cream or something of that nature. So you want to bake that dough. When, you, when your dough is almost baked, you take the parchment paper and the weights out of there and you take one egg white beaten and you just brush it on the bottom of your dough everywhere and you put that in the oven for about 10 seconds and it will cook instantly and seal every hole you have so you need to do that because it will allow if you're going to use a liquid like a flan kind of dough after that which is basically cream and eggs and sugar whatever if you're going to put that in there it's not going to seep through you've done those pies or those or those tarts where half of it is on the outside (laughs) It's never fun. Mm -hmm. And so that's one of the reasons you use egg white to just seal all those holes. So I like pie crust. I I like 
I like tart dough, but I like pie crust better because it's fattier generally. Right. Because I think I think of uh, tart crust as kind of being a short dough, right? And a pie crust as being a full fat dough. Right. And uh, you, you blind bake it the same way if you if you want. I I prefer most pies blind baked because I hate soggy soggy crust. Uh, and so for our pumpkin pies that we sell at the Dolly Bakery this time of year, uh, we have that blind baked crust, and we put in uh, a uh, on top of that a layer of crumbled ginger cookies, mm. and then we put our pumpkins uh, on top of that. Right, uh, our pumpkin filling on top of that. And yeah, there's, there is other technique. Like for example, in a tart shell, you can use chocolate. It depends on what you're going to do, but if you have chocolate in mind, you can take some dark chocolate, melted. And then brush it on the bottom of your tart shell, and that will completely seal. Plus, it will have a layer of chocolate, which will bring some extra flavor. So then you put your pastry cream on top of that, and then you lay down some very ripe. Uh, right now, there is commissaire on the market and um, Basque that are super delicious. Buy them now. Put them in a bag. Buy them now. Keep them for a week. Put a banana with it. Put it yeah. in the bag. Leave it on the counter. It will be perfectly ripe, tender. Slice those really thin. Lay them down on top of your, of your uh, pastry cream, like fan them over, and you have a wonderful pear tart. Sprinkle some sugar, take a blowtorch, caramelize them right on top, and you'll have a caramelized pear tart. Pam, if you had a pie to choose from, I mean, there's a dozen in front of us here from the New York Times, but if you had a pie to choose as your last pie on earth, what would it be? Are you a nut girl? It, yes, it's the pecan sandy. The pecan sandy. Because, you know, I love shortbreads and those kind of just buttery cookies mm-hmm. and, and nuts. So that's Pecan is definitely a beautiful thing. Yeah. I, think it's, I find most pecan pies, though, are too sweet for me. They're, yeah. they're, I know. That's why I think the mix here with more of the uh, crust is uh-huh. what I want. I think I'm a peach uh, a peppered peach, uh, fresh, beautiful peaches. Uh, there's only maybe two weeks a year that you get them so that they're perfectly ripe. And then uh, you I love do the black, pepper in black it. pepper. Yeah. And, what are you yeah. going to do for Thanksgiving? For th- Thanksgiving, Loretta makes the pies in our house. Oh, she's and, good. And she's good at it. And uh, she'll make a couple of different ones. I'm not sure exactly uh, what she's But you have to have with. pumpkin on Friday morning, pumpkin pie. You have to have your, pumpkin pie. Uh, you have uh, yes, to have. I do. Yeah. That's the whole reason. I'm a big apple get, pie. Like, uh, if, if, if I'm going to pick one pie, I'm going to pick apple. Really? It's, yeah. Also good for breakfast. Well, it's, to me, it's the most, uh, the one I like the most. Pecan is, I love pecan, but it's so sweet. And pumpkin, you can have it. <laughs> Coming up, we're going to welcome Otilia Barbois or Barboy. She will uh, tell us. She will tell us from the Alliance Francaise in the Hot Stove Society Kitchen on Cairo Radio, 97.3 FM. It's strictly on account of my sweet potato pie. Eat steak, eat steak, eat a big old steer, eat steak. We are back in the Hostel Society kitchen. La cuisine de la radio chaude. I'm translating in French. The hot radio show? The radio show? The radio show. <laughs> oh, that nice. is a hot radio. Hot radio show, yeah. yeah. 
Our next guest is Otilia Barboy, and she's the executive director of the Alliance Française de Seattle, which means that we have a nonprofit organization that is actually promoting the French culture in Seattle. Bienvenue, Otilia. <laughs> Merci, Thierry. <laughs> so, Thank you. Thank you for inviting me today. Oh, great pleasure. We need to have somebody like you explain why the Alliance Française exists and also what do we do at the Alliance Française. By the way, disclaimer, I'm on the board for many, many years. I don't remember how many years, but... <laughs> And uh, very happy to be there and very happy to be a part of it. Yes, yes. Thank you. I'm, I'm happy to talk about the Alliance. We were founded 35 years ago. So actually this year we celebrate 30, our 35th anniversary. Uh, yeah. Um, we are a network in the entire world. There are about... Um, 800 alliances in the entire world, and we were actually the first nonprofit to be founded. So, in the 19th century, in the U.S., there are about 100 alliances, and our alliance from Seattle um, is the seventh in terms of number of students and classes, so we're very lucky to have this in Seattle. We are located in a beautiful place. If you haven't been there already, we, this is the opportunity to come explore. We are at the Good Shepherd Center in Wallingford. In Wallingford, yeah. That yes. is beautiful. Yes, yeah. We, we love that location. Uh, we have uh, classes online and on site. We have about, right now, we have about 400 students. Oh. And 100, more than 100, are young students. So the youth program is developing. Um, yeah, we're very fortunate to have that. Um, we have about 600 members. And on our social media combined and newsletter, we're about, we have about 15,000 subscribers and followers. Nice. Yeah. So it's really fantastic. I think Seattle, it's a Francophile city. So, um, yeah, if you are not part of our family, big family, this is the opportunity to come join us with a membership. Uh, if you do so by the end of the year, before the end of the year, you do get a subscription to TV 5 Monde, which is a French channel. Of, you can see news, practice uh, French, and all you discover the Francophone world. Um, what else can I say? Yeah, so this year we celebrate 35 years since we were founded. Um, we do have we, we have a party, so you're all invited on November 29th at our at the Wallingford location. Um, it also marks the the end of our fundraising campaign. So if you feel like you're in a generous mode, please join the movement and <laughs> give a little bit for our <laughs> scholarship fund. Uh, we would like to have more affordable tuition for our young uh, students and returning students. We also have coming up. Uh, for the marking the holiday season, we have a special baking contest. So oh, since you that talked very, about that is yeah, very attractive. yeah, so since you talked about baking and pies, um, we do invite you to uh, send us pictures of your cookies, such your holiday cookies, and uh, the winner of the show. So you have the entire month to do so from started December 1st, the, the, the winners will get two tickets for, to this show. <laughs> and also, you will get a book, Gato, by Alexander Crapanzano. Ah, Who was on the show. It's a beautiful book, yeah. 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 She was, she was yeah. on our show not yeah. too long ago. 
Yeah, so we invite you to, you know, uh, you know, sit, bake, have fun, and share your beautiful uh, creations with us. Um, oh, Tilly, what is the what is the mission of this of the Alliance Frances? Oh, the, the mission is to. Um, to share French and Francophone cultures, to share the beauty of the language and the richness of the cultures, and to come together and celebrate diversity, multilingualism, because when we talk about the Francophone world, we don't talk only about the France. We, you know, we talk about rich history. We talk about many nations and peoples that come together englobed in this term that we use, Francophone. So when you say you're yeah. raising money for tuition, students pay uh, to come take yes. uh, French classes yeah okay yes and sometimes because we do I think we we, uh, we take care of our teachers uh, we pay you know a good you know for part-time jobs it's a really it's a well pay our teachers are well paid so we we tend to you know uh, follow the inflation rates uh -huh. so our tuition tends to go up but also our salaries increase so yeah so we need to compensate um, with an annual fund you I also took two years of French in high school I don't know if you know this or not <laughs> no, I did not realize so that. So I could no, probably me. teach some of these classes. Uh -huh. Oh, that would be yeah. wonderful. Yeah. I think we would love that. If Tom yes. starts teaching, teaching French, I'm going to teach Greek. Oh, okay. <laughs> I think that's about the same level we I have. I think you should both teach a class yeah. in Franco-Greek. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So... There are plenty of social events you guys produce. Yes. And that's, to me, that's remarkable. You know, name a few of those events where people can actually just show up for a cup of coffee or... Exactly, yeah. So just coming up related to the Gato book, we have an event. It's a virtual event with the author. So you can join us online and find out more about the, the book. We also have a lot of uh, cultural events like Morning Coffee in French. Right now it's happening at the Alliance Francaise. Our uh, staff are meeting our members and students so you're welcome to drop by these events are either online or in person so you can it's a wonderful opportunity to practice French and meet uh, our members so we have morning coffee in French happy hour in French cine salon in French so if you are a, 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 a film love. lover yeah like we are all right in Seattle mm -hmm. this is a great opportunity to meet people and talk about French and francophone films uh, again these sessions are online but also in person at the French Alliance so again we try to accommodate all our members that are kind of spread out in the, throughout the state but also uh, nationwide um, yeah so we also have meetings with authors in partnership with Elliot uh, Bay Bookstore Company so follow us you probably we just had an event right uh, last week with uh, with a, uh, an author of Cameroon uh, um, origin and who writes in French so yeah, so follow, follow, follow us on www.afseattle.org to, to stay in tune with our events. Coming up in January, we also have a, a Galette des Rois. So if you know the French... Please Galette. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so we will all get together, and it's organized in partnership with La Parisienne, which is not far from here. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, the bakery? So, yes, yeah, okay. yes, yes, the bakery. We also have wine tastings coming up in March with the Chateau Pomme. Uh, and brandy tasting also in March. So <laughs> I think... Um, well, it turns out the French drink a lot. <laughs> no, happy turns, hours. Turns a lot of happy hours. Turns out to be yeah. uh, 
March, we're not going to see very much of <laughs> <No>. Yes, yes. <laughs> and in March, we also celebrate the month of the Francophone world, I mean, Francophonie, which is the French-speaking world, in partnership with French Fest. So we will be at the Seattle Center uh, to represent the French Alliance, our students, and we'll do a dictée, you know? So it's <laughs> like if you like to, to write in French, we, we read the text and you write. Uh, and uh, yeah, I think it's a fun activity. It's a national sport in French, in France, so, right? We, to we, summarize we what the school does in terms of the students themselves, I don't. Let's just say I don't speak any French. Can I just walk in and absolutely be a member of the Alliance yes. Française and yes. then yes. go and have some classes and. It's as simple as that? Yes, yeah, it's very simple. You just, you know, talk to us. We have, uh, we, if you took a little bit of French, like let's say five years ago, we do a little placement test to know your perfect, your right level. So you'll never find yourself in a group. We have small groups of like five or six students, seven sometimes. If it's in person, the groups are a little bit bigger, but not more than eight students. We also have private classes, but if you want to brush up your French, we'll just do a placement test or you'll be uh, you'll have a conversation with our admissions officers because we were very uh, keen on having you know finding the right level class for you so you won't find yourself if you know a little bit of French you won't be in a class with people who know more French than you or non no French at all so I want to sneak in one thing that I thought was the most charming on the website is that you have a young reader doing French stories, and that's where I'm going to yes. start by listening to one of yes. those short uh, children's stories. Oh, that, that's... Uh, Sophie, Sophie is one of our volunteers. She's been with us for years. I just can't wait. I'm going to do it a, this weekend. Yeah, she's a high schooler, and she reads in French yeah. uh, to a young audience, so it's like, it's really so touching yeah. Yeah, to awesome. see them all together. The yeah. address again? Wallingford, Good Shepherd yeah, <laughs> Center. No, no, no. Good Shepherd Center, Wallingford. And, and then it's the website. www.afseattleafseattle.org. Perfect. Thank, Thank you, you Ophelia. Ophelia. Thank you. Uh, Merci right now, <laughs> we are going to jump into our Food for Thought Tasty Trivia Challenge brought to you by Rub with Love. When we come back on Cairo Radio, it's the Hot Stove Society Show, 97.3 FM. Welcome back to the Hot Stove Society Kitchen here in downtown Seattle in the Hotel Andra. It's time for Food for Thought Tasty Trivia brought to you by our multifaceted line of Rub with Love Spice Rubs that will fuel your creativity with a range of dishes, including our gravy helper. Our mushroom rub is a classic gravy helper. Just saying right now. Our newest flavors are Serious Pie Pizza Spice, uh, Fish Taco Spice, and, uh, of course, Trey Lamont, uh, you know, about a year ago, we teamed up sure. with Trey Lamont from the Jerk Shack and came out with a jerk spice, which is cooking, I got to say. spicy. And, by the way, if you're listening to us live, we'll be at uh, Gobble Up Seattle out there in Magnuson Park this weekend. 
for it's kind of like a Christmas bazaar. We did it in Portland oh, last weekend. I was wondering what that was, and we'll do it in Seattle this weekend. So out don't there. go play tennis at Magnuson Park this weekend. No, no, no. We're over in the Hangar Thirty, Hangar Number know, Thirty. Tennis is right next door. I won't be able to park. Who knows? That's just too darn bad. <laughs> Rub with Love is available right here at the Hot Stove Society, Serious Pie Ballard, Sea Town Market, and Fish Fry. Also, check your local grocery stores, Bartels, butcher shops around the country, like. United Supermarkets in Texas, Lazy Acres in Southern California, or the Butcher Block in Las Vegas, which buys more Rub with Love than any other store in the country. Wow. Wow. How about that? That is amazing. All right, Pam, how do we play this game, and uh, who's going to be our winner? Well, we're so lucky today to have a Thanksgiving-themed uh, quiz that Becky Ooh. Guzak, the elegant friend of ours, wrote. And each of the three contestants is going to get five questions. Okay. And we love to make fun of the loser. There you go. So, <laughs> I don't know who the winner's going to be today. Wow. Um, I like the making fun of. The, the, the chef in the hat likes to go first. I'll just go. Go ahead. Terry, true or false? Historians do not believe that turkey was eaten during the first Thanksgiving in 1621. That is true. That is true. The likely meats on the table were venison, geese, duck with venison as the star of the show. It's, hard to, it's hard to see flying venison. A hummingbird, Greek, and pineapple are all types of which popular Thanksgiving herb? Say, say, say that so there's a, a popular Thanksgiving herb. Yeah. And there are varieties of it named hummingbird, oh. Greek, and pineapple. Oregano. Oh, that's too bad, chef. Too oregano. bad. It's sage. A pineapple sage, but Greek oregano. <laughs> it's no Greek sage. It's Greek there, oregano. Oh, there's very good Greek sage. Uh, this is multiple choice. How heavy <laughs> was the largest pumpkin ever recorded? Ooh. 540 pounds, 1,024 pounds, or 3,699 pounds? 3,000 pounds plus. Exactly. Wow. I've read that. Tom shook his According head. to it's the Guinness crazy. World Records, the largest pumpkin was 3,699 and was made by a New Bremen giant pumpkin growers in Ohio. It was 20 feet across. Number four, which state grows the most pumpkins? This was a surprise. Ohio. Close. Illinois. In 2021, <laughs> Illinois produced a whopping I was so close. I'm right next door. Gosh. You were so close. All I had to do is drive another 50 miles and I was there. All right. For number five, Becky's giving you the choice. Would you like to fill in the last word of a limerick? Okay. Or would you like to answer a personal preference question? Personal preference question? Sounds Which good. is your uh, preference and why? Mashed, russet, Yukon gold, or sweet potatoes? Yukon, because of the silkiness and sweetness I get when I mix no, it so with a pound even of butter. Want to hear the limerick? The turkey's been dropped on the floor. The gravy refuses to pour. The taters are lumpy and Grandpa is grumpy. But Thanksgiving days, I... Adore. Adore. Oh. <laughs> you could have gotten that one. <laughs> you would have said J'adore. J'adore. Bridget Charters. Yes, Pam. Good morning. Thank you. You have three True. to beat. That's three? what they call French the ro a romance language because they have things like J'adore. True or sure. false. Alexander Hamilton once proclaimed, no citizen of the U.S. shall refrain from Turkey on Thanksgiving Day. True. 
He's probably going to wrap I mean, it. It's, it's a 50-50, true. true. It's got, true. Got lucky. Got According lucky, to Terry. the Smithsonian, Hamilton was a proponent of Turkey as part of a larger idea of bringing a national sensibility to the U.S. through consuming the God same kinds of food. Exactly. We need it now, man. Uh, number two. Indonesian, Chinese, and Saigon are all types of which popular Thanksgiving spice? Maybe used in the baking. Indonesian, Chinese. Curry? <laughs> Just tell her. Curry? There you go. It's cinnamon. It's yep. cinnamon. Cinnamon. You are showing oh. off today, Douglas. I was going to say Doing cinnamon Doing all the crossword too. puzzles. What did you say? Better. Singapore, Chinese, and Indonesian, what? Indonesian, Chinese, and Saigon. Oh. Saigon is this giveaway. Number three, multiple choice. Approximately how many turkeys are consumed in the U.S. each Thanksgiving? 28 million, 45 million, over 100 million. 45. Correct. Uh, number four, at the first Thanksgiving back in 1621 that lasted three days, which common utensil was missing that we associate with dining today? A fork. Correct. Uh, would you like the limerick or the personal preference question? Personal preference. Oh, man. Uh, which is your preference and why? Spatchcock, traditional roast, or deep fried turkey? Spatchcock. Yeah. Why? Speed. Speed. Speed and moisture content. Want to hear the limerick? Yes. I once cooked for both of our clans while running around making plans. Now as a treat, we go out to eat. Goodbye, dirty dishes and... Pans. Pans. Yeah. Tom, you are... Oh, Tom's, on the Tom's going for the That's because I'm answering your guys' questions. <laughs> I'm going to get skunked on mine. I know, but this All is really right, good. Mr. Douglas, true or false? The average turkey lays up to 250 eggs a year. True. False. Turkeys lay an average of 100 eggs per year, whereas chickens lay about 200. Yeah, I was just going off of what our chickens do. Which sweet and peppery-flavored popular Thanksgiving spice comes from the ripened and dried seed of the Maristica Froggins tree? Exactly my point. Sassafras. <laughs> Nutmeg. Nutmeg. A, native, a tree native to the Spice Islands. Oh, he's going down, isn't he, But is he, it Terry? nutmeg or is it mace? Because they're well, both a from the same plant. Yeah. So nutmeg slash mace. Good knowledge. Multiple choice. The November 13th edition of the New York Times did a section featuring nine different pies and their recipes. Which of the below pie was not showcased in the article? Oh, this isn't fair. Maple <laughs> cream with blueberries, traditional pumpkin. Blueberries. Blueberries. <laughs> <laughs> Wrong. <laughs> it was a traditional pumpkin. Which With a pumpkin filling. company created the first TV dinner resulting from an overestimated demand? Swanson's. Exactly. Someone at Swanson's misjudged the number of frozen turkeys it would sell that Thanksgiving by 26 tons. Ooh. And an industrious soul came up with the brilliant plan to create the pot pies. Uh, and finally... Would you like the limerick? Or the limerick, for sure. On Thanksgiving, please... You're Becky. <laughs> on Thanksgiving, please invite vegetarians. For this feast, there will not be contrarians. On steamed broccoli, they'll dine. A sprig of parsley is fine. And they won't ho hoard your drumsticks like... Vegetarians. Barbarians. Barbarians. Oh. <laughs> that was cool. <laughs> All right, Tom. Good work. Who's our winner, Terry? Uh, 
Bridget Charters. Chef Bridget Chef is the winner today. The good news is she'll never be invited back to play this show, play this game again. Uh, the bad news is uh, we didn't pick a winner of, of the Spice Rub trio, the mm. Harvest trio. That's up to you, Miss Hinckley. So I'm giving the... it to Shelby because she arranged all this. All right. Way to go, Shelby. If you want to be part of the show, you can join our community on YouTube Live at Tom Douglas & Co. or buy a ticket to join us here in the studio at HotStoveSociety.com. You're listening to us, of course, on Cairo Radio. The show is produced by Pamela Hinckley. Technical is Sean McFadden. And our editor is Sean Don't Call Me Del Torre. Remember, if you miss any episode of our Hot Stove Society show on Cairo... You can listen via podcast. Just subscribe with your favorite podcast app. Thanks for listening and happy Thanksgiving. Yay!